Well, to God be all of the glory. If you have your Bibles this evening, I want you to turn in the Old Testament to the book of Isaiah. Or if you're from South Africa, you would say Isaiah. But Isaiah chapter 61, verse number 3. And everybody that's got a phone, you can go to your app store and type in Daystar, and you can get the Daystar app for free. With it, you can watch Daystar all over the world. You can see the program schedule, uh, live events, etc. Isaiah chapter 61, verse number 3. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I want to talk to you for just a few moments about the garment of praise. You know, my Joni uh, is an expert about garments. Stand up, Joni, let everybody see you. When you see her, you'll see she's an expert on garments. Uh, and if you don't believe that, then just look at my credit card statement, and you'll really know she's, she's an expert. But I'm talking about the garment of praise. This is so neat, Isaiah 61, because 700 years after it was written, Jesus was in a synagogue. And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 4 that Jesus began to read from Isaiah 61... He was reading verses that had been written about him 700 years before. This is so neat. Rebecca, you'll like this. I wonder if they ever taught this to you at King's University. In Isaiah 61, it's talking about the great exchange. He gives beauty for our ashes. He gives joy for our mourning. And he gives us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Point number one, I want you to write this down. Write it down on, your, on a piece of paper, in your Bible, on your smartphone. Get your eyebrow pencil out. Write it down. Whatever you need to write it down. Point number one is the spirit of heaviness is the problem. Psalm 69 and 20 says, Reproach has broken my heart, and I am full of of heaviness. Have you ever had a broken heart before? You know, when you were young, people would call it puppy love, but it was very serious to the puppies. Proverbs 12, 25 says, heaviness in the heart of man causes depression. So Lucas, you must have talked about that this morning, but a good word makes it glad. I want you to know God's got a good word for you today. In fact, Psalms 107 and 20 says, So he sent his word, and he healed them, and he delivered them from their destructions. The spirit of heaviness has many levels, and it will only get worse if you don't make the great exchange for the garment of praise. The spirit of heaviness can start out as oppression. But if you don't get victory over it, then it will increase to obsession and then to depression and sometimes even to 
possession. It starts with negative thinking, and then it elevates to negative talking. Like that verse in the Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You don't have to get around somebody very long till you start listening to them. You can find out a lot about them. You find out uh, what their attitude is, what's on their mind, what's on their heart, what's important to them. And a lot of people are just talking about themselves. But when they're talking about the Lord, when they're talking about the goodness of God, when they're putting on the garment of praise, that's the kind of people I like to be around. And that's the kind of person your pastor, Pastor Jurgen, is. When you grumble and complain, you invite the spirit of heaviness. The spirit of heaviness can only drag you down, but it can also drag those around you down, your family and friends, and even your co-workers. Sometimes the spirit of heaviness comes from an evil spirit that Satan has sent to attack you. Why does he want to attack you? Because you're God's children. And you know, Pastor Matt, you've got those three great kids. You know, it'd be one thing for somebody to attack you, but go after those three kids and see what Papa Bear and Mama Bear are going to do. So that's what the devil does. He wants to get back at God, so he thinks the best way to do it is to target God's children. So he, he will try to attack you. But it, when it rises to that level... You must use a spiritual weapon to fend off a spiritual attack. 2 Corinthians 10 and 4 says, For our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The root of the spirit of heaviness can come from a lack of prayer, a lack of praise, a lack of the word of God, or a lack of thankfulness. And I put together, David Letterman has a top 10 list, so Marcus Lamb's going to have a top 10 list. This is a top 10 list about conditions that are associated with the spirit of heaviness. And I want you to be gut level honest and ask yourself, do I have any of these 10 symptoms? Bitterness, unforgiveness, guilt, from sin, inner hurt. Can y'all understand me? I'm originally from Georgia, and I've been living in Texas for 25 years. Y'all can understand, Californians can understand Georgia Texans. I just want to make sure. So guilt from sin, inner hurts, despair, rejection, hopelessness, a broken heart, self-pity, or sorrow. Think about that. Those are some of the ways that the spirit of heaviness manifests itself in people's lives. King Saul had a spirit of heaviness, but he was smart enough to know that he needed help. So he called for David and he wanted David to play anointed Praise and worship music, just like we've heard tonight. Didn't that just bless you? Didn't it just lift your spirit to hear these singers and musicians, smiles on their face? They're jumping around, clapping around. I mean, they're getting their workout. How many calories do y'all burn when you do, do this? Yeah, that's good, isn't it? So David came in 1 Samuel 16, 23, and David 
took a harp and played, and the evil spirit departed from King Saul, and King Saul was healed and made refreshed. If you've got a spirit of heaviness, get in a good C3 worship service or get a good praise and worship tape and put it on in your car. Now, make sure, though, that you keep at least one hand on the wheel because it could be dangerous or a, a, a red light or blue light might be whirling in the background. Don't give in to the spirit of heaviness, but use the Word of God as a mighty weapon. Hebrews 4 and 15 says the word of God is mighty and it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it's alive. One of my favorite, in fact, my favorite Old Testament verse, Psalms 91, 15, and he shall call upon me and I will answer him or her and I will be with him in times of trouble. I will deliver him and I will honor him. Isaiah 59, 19, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And I feel the Spirit of the Lord in C3 Church tonight. Matthew 18 and 18, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Luke 10, 19, behold, I give unto you power. It didn't say if you were a pastor or a prophet or an evangelist, any son or daughter of God, I give unto you power. Power to do what? To tread or to walk on scorpions and serpents and over all, somebody say all, all the power of the enemy that nothing, somebody say nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good. See, when you get the Holy Spirit and you get it in power, you'll do something. Who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Romans 8, 37, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, you've got the victory over the devil. James 4 and 7, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 1 John 4 and 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. You can have victory over the spirit of heaviness. Point number two, write this down. You can't get the spirit of heaviness off until you first get the garment of praise on. Did you hear that? And you don't put the garment of praise on based on feelings. But just like everything else that you receive from God, you do it by faith. Hebrews 13 and 15 says, let us offer up to God the sacrifice of praise 
continually. When is praise a sacrifice? When you don't feel like it. When you're tired, when you're weary, when you got a bad doctor's report, or maybe you got let go of your job or, or something else, or your, your, your spouse said, I'm leaving you for somebody else. That's a difficult situation to praise the Lord in. But friend, when things are going bad, that's when you need to praise the Lord and put on the garment of praise more than ever. So it's, by, it's, it's an action that we take. It is a choice that we make. It shouldn't just be a reaction to a certain feeling or to something good that happens to us. So use praise as a weapon, and praise brings the presence of God. Psalms 22 and 3, O thou who dwells or lives or takes up residence within the praise of your people. Hallelujah. The Bible says, until the times of refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord. 2 Corinthians three seventeen. now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Praise can be lifting your hands. The Bible says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary. Praise can be clapping your hands. The Bible talks about the 10-stringed instruments. You may not can play a guitar or a, a, a keyboard, but everybody can clap your hands unto the Lord as a praise. Praise can be lifting your voice to magnify the Lord. Praise can be dancing before the Lord. I saw some of these praise leaders up here dancing before the Lord. You can do that wherever you are. You can dance into the Lord. Or you can sing a song to the Lord. Now, I can't sing like Joni, and I can't sing like these praise and worship leaders. But let me tell you, when they invent waterproof microphones, and they can record me in the shower then, buddy, I'm going to have it my own CD because I sound pretty good in the shower. I guess all those reverberations off of that tile or that stone. But I can do like Psalms 100 verse 1, and you can do that too. You can make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That's part of putting on a garment of praise. So this, this, uh, this message, put on the garment of praise. Let's, let me just try that singing thing just a little bit. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lift up your voice to God. Pray in the spirit and with understanding. Oh, magnify the Lord. All right. That's all I got. You're going to love this. Here's some good news. One way that the spirit of heaviness is removed is by the revelation to us that our sins are forgiven and pardoned. There's a $100 theological word that I learned uh, uh, in school called justification. It simply means just if I have never sinned. Romans 3 and 4, we are justified freely. Somebody say freely. My goodness, it says freely by grace. We can never earn it. 
We can never work hard enough or long enough for it. We could never have enough money to pay for it. We could never be good enough to deserve it. So he says, I'm just going to have to freely give to you. And see, three church, so many of you, freely you have received, so freely give. Get out there on the streets, and when you see somebody, you know, you don't have to preach a sermon to them, but maybe you're at the uh, grocery store or the convenience store, and just look at somebody, maybe the cashier, and smile and say, hey, have you heard the good news? And everybody wants to hear good news, and they'll say, what is that? Just say, Jesus loves you, and you don't have to say anything else. You planted a little seed. You gave a little encouraging word. You were a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lamentations 3.23 says, his mercies are new every morning. So maybe sometime during the day, things get tough, and you feel the spirit of heaviness. Well, the good news is, morning's coming, and his mercies are new every morning. Yeah, Satan will try to bring up your past in order to cause the spirit of heaviness to come. So thank God for Romans 8 and 1 that says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. Am I doing okay in San Diego, California? Dr. Marcerillo, you'll know this name, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He was called the Prince of Preachers. He was the pastor of Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, England in the late 1800s. Listen to what he said, and I quote. And he said, the garment of praise is the air, H-E-I-R, of heaven. It's for the heirs of heaven. It's for you. You are an heir. We are a joint heir. And he said the garment of praise is for us. Every day, you must decide what you're going to put on and what you're going to wear. How many husbands know that it's a woman's prerogative to change her mind? I mean, she'll come out with one thing. Five minutes later, you go back into that bedroom or that closet or wherever she is. She's got something else on. <laughs> Women have that right. Well, you have to decide every day, men or women, what you're going to put on. Well, you must decide every day to put on the garment of praise. Listen to this. The Hebrew word for garment was more than just something that draped or wrapped around your shoulders. It literally meant to wrap or cover ourselves. The garment of praise is to leave no openings for the spirit of heaviness to get in. But you know what? I brought my garment of praise with me tonight. How many like to see my garment of praise? All right, remember that little white bag or big white bag? My garment of praise is in there. Man, it looks like Joseph's coat of many colors. Hold on a second. Hey, can you subtract this from my preaching time? If I, this is taking me about 30 seconds. So at a certain time, they're going to press an eject button, and I will be out of here. 
like in the rapture. All right, I'm not even going to zip it up. That takes 15 more seconds of my preaching time. So the garment of praise, you know what it, it can mean? An attitude of gratitude, of thanksgiving, of adoration. Tonight, you can take off the spirit of heaviness and put on the garment of praise. You say, is that biblical? Isaiah 52 and 2, shake off those heavy bands and lift up those holy hands. Psalms 3 and 3 says, he is the glory and the lifter of my head. I love this one. Psalms 40 and 2, he brought me out of a horrible pit, and he set my feet on a rock. How many God ever brought you out of something horrible? You should be rejoicing more than anybody else because of what God brought you out of and what he brought you into. That wasn't even in my notes, but that was pretty good. I should stop and write that down for next time. Psalms 43 and 5, why are you cast down? Oh, my soul, why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I will yet praise him. Point number three. This is, I see I'm going pretty fast. Point number three. When do you use the garment of praise? Psalms 113 and 3. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. The name of the Lord shall be praised. David said in Psalms 119, 64, seven times a day will I praise you. Psalms 34 and 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So you need to put on the garment of praise when you're under heaviness. When you're, when you're depressed, put on the garment of praise. When you're in despair, put on the garment of praise. When you're dejected or rejected, put on the garment of praise. When you have inner hurts, put on the garment of praise. When you're hopeless, put on the garment of praise. When you're brokenhearted, put on the garment of praise. Remember... It's up to you to choose. You've got to put on the garment of praise. God can't put it on for you. Your spouse can't put it on for you. Your best friend can't put it on for you. It is a conscious choice that you have to make. And again, sometimes it's by faith, not by feeling. All you musicians, listen up. In 1741, when Handel was composing the great song, Messiah. How many have ever heard of Handel's Messiah? One of the most famous songs in history. It says that he barricaded himself in his room, and Josh, he hardly ate or slept while he was composing Handel's Messiah. That great crescendo or climax of his masterpiece is the world-famous Hallelujah Chorus. Now, don't ask me to try to sing that. It was hard enough singing, put on the garment of praise. Y'all could sing that. But you know what the Hallelujah Chorus means? It means praise the Lord. Later, Handel told a friend about his experience in that room. Handel said, it seemed 
is if heaven came down and filled my soul. Oh, my goodness. I almost spoke in tongues. I don't know if that's illegal to do around here or not. Hallelujah. The next time you hear that Handel's Messiah and they're singing the Hallelujah chorus, you can think about, my God, Handel said, I felt like the Lord came down and glory filled my soul. All right, now, which one of those numbers up there I'm looking at? All right, I'm seeing two, three. All right, all right, I got nine and a half minutes. Wait, there's a TV show where you can buy a vowel. How much would I have to pay to, pay to like, buy a minute? Do those cost more than vowels? All right, they do. Pastor Matt said they cost more. I, I want to tell you a, a story that I've hardly ever told because the person that was a part of this drama was still alive, and I just didn't feel like it was appropriate to share. But when Joni and I started in Christian television, the short, I'll make it the short story. We'd been married seven months. It was March 1983. We went to the Holy Land for the very first time. And while on the Mount of Olives, the Lord spoke to me and said, go to Montgomery, Alabama and build the first Christian television station in the history of the state of Alabama. Joni and I were there for seven long years. We affectionately refer to it as the tribulation period. (laughs) And not because Montgomery was bad or the people. They were wonderful. But it wasn't a very big area. And a religious spirit, I mean, you didn't hardly have anybody that knew much about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all these type of things. It was very difficult. And I knew when we went there, we wouldn't be there, Dr. Cirillo, forever, that it was a training ground. And then the Lord spoke to me about Dallas. Before there ever was even an opportunity, the Lord showed me in the spirit, you will go to Dallas, Texas, and you'll build a Christian TV station. So there were several different people that wanted to buy our station. It was Channel 45, and we affectionately referred to it as 45 Alive. And one of the people that made an offer, a written offer, was a lady who had earned a Ph.D. degree. She was the widow of a wealthy doctor. She owned several nursing homes. And she made us this offer, and in her correspondence, She said all these great things she was going to do with the station as far as outreaches and benevolence ministries. And she said, and it'll be known as the station of the nation. I'm looking at Majoni because she's getting tickled hearing me say that because we hadn't heard that saying in a long time. Now, some of you are business people, and when you buy something, you know, if you go buy a house, you put down earnest money. Or if you go buy a, a building or something, you'll put down a escrow, a security deposit. Well, in order to entice Marcus and Joni to sell our Christian station to her instead of selling it to somebody else, you know what she did? She said, I'm going to front you $200,000 up front. That's what fronting means, up front. That kind, that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? So, so not put in escrow. In other words, if the deal didn't go through, she gets the 200000 back. No, here it is. It's part of the purchase price, but you can go ahead and use it for whatever you want to. So we wanted to be uh, you know, transparent with our supporters and our viewers. We told them about the sale to this lady, and it was going to take 
couple of months because of uh, federal regulations. And obviously, that upset some, thrilled others. But support began to drop because they're thinking, Marcus and Joni are leaving. Why should we keep supporting them? And I don't blame the people for that. So when it came time, though, to come up with the money, this lady thought, the TV station's worth millions of dollars. I'll just borrow the money against the TV station. But the Federal Communications Commission will not allow a bank to hold a lien against an FCC license. And the TV equipment and all that stuff is not worth very much if you don't have a TV station to use it with. So when the banker said, you're going to have to put up one or two of those nursing homes as collateral, all of a sudden, this woman of God who thought she had heard from God and it was going to be the station of the nation, she changed her mind, backed out, and said, I want my $200,000 back. Well, by then, we had paid bills, you know, employees, electric bills, et cetera, et cetera, etc. She hired what many of you have heard of as, well, I just call them an ambulance chasing uh, lawyer, but they're actually called plaintiff's attorneys. And she got the meanest one in Montgomery. I almost said his name, but who knows, his, his grandson may be in the service tonight. So I better not say his name or he might try to sue me again. Well, he was one of those old mean, 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 mean attorneys, so I thought we better get us the meanest one we can get. But we got us a saved, sanctified, and full of the sweet Holy Ghost and fire attorney. But before he got saved, his name is Bob Alton. I can tell you his name because he's the good guy. He wears the white hat. He had been, before he got saved, he was the henchman or fixer for the notorious Governor George Wallace. If you ever studied about history, you know who that was. So, man, we got in this meeting, and Joni, you were uh, pregnant with Rachel. Is that right? Rachel, there you are. Stand up again, Rachel. She was pregnant with you. And I said, I almost said the lady's name. I don't want to do that because I don't want to disparage her. But I called her by name, and I said, you told us that God told you that God was in this. And she said, God doesn't have anything to do with this. This is business. Well, that showed what kind of person that she was. Well, the long story short was that uh, we ended up winning. We got to keep the $200,000. Now, that was 1989. Now, during all of that, we had to put on the garment of praise. Hallelujah. 1989, 12 years later, the Holy Spirit speaks to me and said, and we've been, we're in Dallas now and Daystar's on the air. The Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, invite that lady to come and be your guest and be on your program and you honor her and you promote the new book that she's written. And Joni said, you're crazy. We don't want her on here. Plus, she wouldn't come anyway. And I would, I would have probably felt the same if Joni would have told me that the Lord told her that. But we had her on. It went well. She didn't sue us again. <laughs> and weeks later, Dr. Mara Cirillo, she sent a sweet handwritten letter. And she heard about a building that we were buying. And she said, I want to sew 
$25,000 into your ministry. 2001, so 12 years after the fact. That's what can happen when you put on the garment of praise. <laughs> Final point. The garment of praise prepares you for miracles. In Acts 16, 25, Paul and Silas were in a Philippian jail. They had been beaten. They'd been put in stocks. History tells us they were in the inner jail, so it was probably underground where sewage would flow. It was a terrible situation. And as these musicians come to, to play, the Bible says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. They were in a difficult situation. It was a difficult time. It was midnight. Can't you imagine those hardened criminals? They were trying to sleep, and they didn't want some religious people singing songs and keeping them from sleeping. Man, they were in peril of their life for even doing it. So a difficult situation, a difficult time. But they, and they didn't just kind of whisper it. The Scripture says, in all the prisoners heard them. So it had to be pretty loud, pretty vocal, pretty, pretty public. Then the Bible says it all of a sudden. And I had the neatest thing I was going to do, but I run out of time, and that's totally fine. It's understandable. I want to be honoring of the protocol of this house. But all of a sudden, as Paul and Silas were praising the Lord, they had put on their garment of praise. You know what I believe happened? I think it started out as Silas. He was singing. He was singing a solo, praising the Lord. But after a while, maybe uh, Paul got under conviction. He started singing too. Now it's a duet. Well, somebody was up in the balconies of heaven, was watching and was listening. And when the praises went up, glory to God. I believe God began to join them in song. And now it's a men's trio. And when God sings, his voice, he's not a baritone. He's not a, a, a tenor. But it was the bass voice of Almighty God. And it began to uh, reverberate down through the corridors of the universe. And that jail began to shake and rattle and roll. It reminds me of two Elvis Presley songs. One of them is Jailhouse Rock. And the other one is there's a whole lot of shaking going on. But the garment of praise, it calls them to be set free. And the Bible says the door swung open while the garment of praise set them free. And then the Bible says the jailer, when he saw all of this, he looked at Paul and Silas and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The garment of praise brought a revival to the jailer, to the prisoners, to the jailer's family. And if you want to experience a real revival, put on the garment of praise. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com.